We never go wrong praising the name of the Lord our God. We go wrong by not praising him, and I know there are times in darkness and difficulty when it's easy to do that, but he's always worthy. He's always there. I'm thankful for a God who doesn't change in that respect, and he is a God who is always deserving of our praise. This morning, if you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 3, the book of the Revelation in the back of your Bible. Almost all the way to the right-hand side, what that means is the right-hand side will be skinny, the left-hand side will be fat. Uh, That's not true of the church, it's just true of the Bible, okay, Um, today. And so, turn to the book of the Revelation, right at the beginning in chapter 3, and while you do that, let me say a word of welcome to all of you, but especially to our guests today. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, I'd love to do that, but thank you for being here today. Our church loves you, and we're grateful for your presence and Uh, You bless us by being here today. We do have a little gift for you on the way out, uh, prepared just for you, no strings attached. And we want you to have that uh, this morning. So pick that up on the way out if you would. And if you would think about it, uh, maybe fill out a Connect card. You can see those on the seats there and drop that in the offering basket. We're not going to abuse that information or harass you. I just want to say thank you for being here, okay? We promise. And so use that if you'd like to. Uh, Real quick, uh, we're going to look at this uh, last letter to uh, the churches of Asia Minor uh, in what we would look at and say was an ancient time uh, in the past, uh, right after the the crucifixion, the resurrection, the exaltation, the, the returning to the throne room of heaven of the Lord Jesus, the eternal Son of God. Uh, He had come to earth and walked here for 33 years, lived a sinless life, loved those who were sharing this dirt with him, uh, and also went to a cruel cross on their behalf and on our behalf to shed his blood for our sins. God raised him from the dead. A, A historically factual event that happened, God raised him from the dead, and he is now exalted and forever at the right hand of God the Father, seated there, seated there in that position of ultimate power and ultimate authority. The Bible goes so far as to say that he holds the universe together by the word of his power. What would be required for the universe to just fall into particles, fall into nothingness? The Lord Jesus would simply have to stop doing what he in fact is always doing there. He's also always interceding for us before God. You want to know sometimes, hey, it's hard for me to pray. You have an advocate before the Father. The Bible says he always lives to make intercession for us. Can you imagine the eternal Son of God going before Father God on your behalf? The Bible also tells us the Holy Spirit of God intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The, 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 the Son and the Spirit in our weakness are speaking on our behalf to God the Father. I mean, what an opulent grace God shows us as we walk this world. It amazes us sometimes. And so that's where we're at today. Not long after the exaltation of the Lord Jesus, these churches began to sprout up in Asia Minor to worship him, to follow him the best way they knew how. No New Testament yet. Uh, Just trying to to learn about Jesus, to learn about Holy Scripture, the Old Testament, to know what to do, to listen to the apostles as they would teach. And 
We see now that the Apostle John is on the Isle of Patmos, exiled for his faith, and he is writing at the direction of the Holy Spirit letters to seven churches of Asia Minor that Jesus had instructed him to write, and word for word he pins down exactly the messages that the Lord had for them. And so today is the final letter to the final church in the final city of the Revelation. And so we come to the city of Laodicea. Laodicea had a reputation. It was a wealthy and strong city. Had a lot going for it. A lot of cities have nicknames. Even in America, we still name our cities different things. I'm going to give you a little quiz. I guess I better pull, pull out the sermon first. Uh, I'm going to give you a little quiz here, see if you can recognize some of these, these cities. The city by the bay, what is it? San Francisco, right. The Windy City, and today Gainesville, right? It's uh, the Motor City, Detroit. The Big Apple, you know that one, New York. Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. Tinseltown, Hollywood, yeah. Uh, we, they all have nicknames, and in Gainesville has a, a, you know, a very proud nickname. The poultry capital of the world, right? When I moved here, it amazed me that there's just chickens everywhere. You got some dead space in the city square, just throw up a concrete chicken. It'll all be okay. And you know, we smell like the poultry capital of the world. You're going down the road, you see those chicken trucks and the cages. You see the chickens in there. Every time I see that, my heart just kind of grows heavy for how hungry I am for chicken nuggets. <laughs> a nickname says something about the city, and Laodicea, if they had a nickname, I don't know what it would be, but they were known for a few things that I want you to know, uh, because you'll need to know those a little bit later. The Lord Jesus is very, I don't know if the word is clever, but very purposeful in this letter, and the, the um, the city of Laodicea was known for a few things. It was known for its wealth. They had a sophisticated uh, system of aqueducts that would run underground for up to five miles because there was no good source of water in that city, so they would have to bring it in from outside. The engineering was that kind of the envy and the marvel of, of that whole region. Uh, they were very sophisticated, very proud of that. Uh, part of their wealth as a city was that they were able to do that. You might note that uh, when water runs underground for five miles, if it started off hot, it winds up, right, as the kids say now, mid, right? It winds up mid. Uh, if it starts off cold, it, it winds up uh, lukewarm. And so the, the Lord will reference this a little bit later. Their engineering was sophisticated. They had a textile refinement process uh, that was unique to them, and they had a black wool that they produced, a very fine, fabricated thing that was just stark black. It was beautiful. They were known for that. And so the people of that town would very proudly wear these black garments of this wool that was made right there in Laodicea. If you could get there and buy some and take it home with you, uh, that made you even of higher status if you didn't live in Laodicea. And lastly, they were known for medical innovation. They had a medical, a doctor's school in Laodicea. And they were able to innovate and to produce medicines uh, that had not been known before. And one of them that they were famous for was an, an eye salve, if you know what that is, kind of an eye ointment. 
uh, that would alleviate uh, sight issues and eye issues. And the Lord Jesus will cleverly, purposefully put all of this in his letter to the Laodiceans. And so let's read this together. If you don't have your Bible today, this will be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word. And we have that for you on the table as you leave. You take that if you need it. At no cost to you, okay? Verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the amen. What does amen mean? It means so be it. Yes, it is so. It's final. The words of the amen, the faithful and true witness. What is the Lord Jesus like? Everything he testifies of is true and truth. It is inviolable. This is the words of the amen, the words of the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Does that mean that Jesus was created, that he himself was a beginning in God's creation? No, it does not. Some people will come to you and say that and accuse you of that. That is not what's being said here. Uh, he is the beginning of God's creation insofar as he began it, right? He was the beginner of it. The Lord Jesus is an eternal part of the Godhead. Verse 15, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. The word would here is an old way of saying I wish that or I long for or I desire if you would be either cold or hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. The ESV uses the word spit here. The original word is stronger. Uh, it is, uh, the word is almost vomit or spew. If you've ever been at a dinner with somebody and you take a drink of water, they say something funny and you start laughing and you can't help it and up it comes. Or maybe you get a tickle in your throat and all of a sudden your body can't, uh, can't hold it back and you just, you vomit it out, you spew it out. That's what's being said here. You're not hot. You're not cold. And because you're just lukewarm, I mean, my reaction, my impulse to you is to just vomit you out to be done. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. That's pretty strong, isn't it? I mean, if somebody says that to you, you just go home and suck your thumb, right? If the Lord Jesus says it, you take that seriously. You're, you're, you're all of these things. <clears throat> I counsel you, verse 18, to buy gold from me, to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent. How should they repent? Not just repent. They should repent zealously. Uh, they should repent urgently. You better take this to heart, and you better go after it. You better repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him again. The word here is eat. Uh, in the old, the old way of saying that is sup, Right? Sup, like to eat supper, uh, and that's important here because this is not just taking in nourishment. This is gathering around the supper table. It's that evening meal of closeness, of community, 
of lingering and talking and sharing and knowing one another. I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We need to move quickly today, but this message to this church is an urgent one, and it comes in three parts. The first part is this, the problem. There's a big problem at Laodicea, and that problem was twofold. The first was this, they were spiritually lifeless. They were spiritually lifeless. They were neither hot nor cold. What does this mean exactly? The Bible doesn't tell us. It could mean that Jesus is saying, hey, I wish you were really on fire for me, or I wish you hated me. I wish I just knew one way or the other where you landed, uh, but you're right in the middle. You just wishy-washy. There's nothing to you. Uh, It could mean that. It could mean that hot water has an effect, has a purpose, and cold water has an effect. Cold water is refreshing. It preserves. You know how that goes. Hot water is cleansing and, 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 and effective. But as it is, that you're not, you're not, you have no purpose. You're in the middle. You don't love me. You're not effective in a, in a heat sense. You're not effective in a cold sense. I'll tell you what I think it means. I think it means uh, <clears throat> that on, on both sides of the equation, there's no way that they're seeking God. You know what heat is. Think about heat. It's a movement, energy, action, fervence. You think about a boiling pot of water, what are, what's, what are those bubbles doing? Man, they're just rolling around. You think about a flame of fire, what's it doing? I mean, just, just surging up to the sky. You think about a hot wire. We had the ceiling redone recently, and one of the electricians found out that up in our attic above us here, there was a hot wire. He didn't find out the way he wanted to find, right? He, 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 he learned real quick, and probably didn't have to learn this, that there is energy that flows through a hot wire and what's being said I believe here is that you don't have the heat there's no fire in your belly you're not pursuing me there's no energy there's no action there's no enthusiasm and impulse to come after me as your savior and lord you're not hot but neither are you cold what's the thing about cold here cold presents a need doesn't it I mean think about when you're when you're cold You'll do anything to get warm. I know some of you, that's especially true, right? When I set the temperature down on 65 on Sunday mornings, I get the deadliest looks from you guys. <laughs> I went out the door the other day uh, to let my dog out. Just me and him at home. I had on bare feet, uh, shorts, and a thin shirt, thin t-shirt. I walked out there, it was 14 degrees that day. I put my feet on that concrete and closed the door behind me and thought "Uh uh-oh I locked the door I was home alone my cell phone was inside there I was on the back concrete I would have done anything to get out of that 14 degree weather I would have gone to the neighbor's house even looking like I did and said let me in I would have walked over to the library and started pretending to read a book I would (laughs) have covered up with pine needles if I had to when you're cold there's a desperation When you're cold, there's an acknowledgement of need. I need help. And they're not hot toward the Lord Jesus. 
They're pursuing him with a flaming, fiery passion, and they're not cold toward him in that they sense a need to go to him for help. They're neither hot nor cold. They're doing nothing. They're right in the middle. And the Lord Jesus says, I'm going to spit you out. This type of church, this type of Christian, disgusts the Lord Jesus. That's harsh. I know that's harsh. But that's the reaction here. I'm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. You in your le- lukewarm condition and me as the Lord and Savior of all the earth, having given my, given my life for you, uh, we are incompatible and out, the Lord Jesus says, he is going to spew this church. That was the first problem. They were spiritually lifeless. But secondly, they were smugly self-assured. They were smugly self-assured. They were blinded by their own strengths, by their own successes, their own comforts, by their own standard of living. The Bible speaks about this. You say, I'm rich, for I have prospered. I need nothing. Not realizing you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. They were smugly self-assured, and they didn't know that they were on the brink of disaster. They didn't know they had nothing that they needed spiritually we hate this don't think don't we we hate to go out somewhere and we have bad breath and we don't know it don't you hate when you're talking to somebody and you get home look in the mirror and there's a dried up booger right here right (laughs) you spent the whole day just going out there around the world you know and right there it was the whole time you know everybody saw it everybody looked at it we hate (laughs) we hate this type of thing we hate when we got toilet paper hanging out of our pants and we're walking around. The other day we were going into Home Depot and got out of the car and we were walking through the parking lot and Erica said, oh my goodness. She said, you've got to go back to the car. I said, why? She said, your pants are ripped. I said, it'll be okay. She said, no, 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 you don't understand. They're ripped all the way down. I felt back there and there's just a piece flapping around. I thought, I've lived like this the whole day and didn't know it, right? <laughs> I walked around like people should listen to what I say, and there that was, hanging there, you know? So <laughs> we hate that, that unsuspecting notion that things are okay when, in fact, they're coming apart. And that's the message here. You don't even know the condition that you're in, Laodicea. I mean, you're, you're in dire straits here. The description couldn't be more graphic that you're wretched and pitiable and poor and blind and even naked. And all the while, they're marching around the world saying things like, well, I have what I need. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm rich and I have prospered and I need nothing. They were deluded. They were deceived. And the Lord points this out to them. That is a big problem. And it's one thing when it's about your torn pants. It's another thing when it's a very serious situation. I was at the hospital once making a visit. Walked into the room. The man was sitting up in his bed. The picture of good health, good color. I mean, good articulation. Everything uh, he vocalized, verbalized. He had a meal before him. He was just scarfing it away. He was watching The Price is Right on the television there. We had a great conversation Looks like, man, he's almost done here. He's getting out. I walked out in the hallway. The family was there with the doctor, and they were sobbing 
The doctor had just delivered to them the news. He's not going to come out of here alive. The infection has entered into his blood. We can't figure out the right antibiotic that is going to treat it. And he, with certainty, will die momentarily in this room. Sure enough, three days later, I came back to make another visit. The man was gone. Eating his food, he didn't know it yet. Yet, Watching the prices ride, everything's good. I've got what I need. I have prospered. You know, having a conversation, good color, strengthen his limbs. All the while, a deadly bacteria was swimming through to do its ugly work. That's what the Lord is warning them about here. There's a problem, a hidden problem, a silent problem, Laodicea. You better wake up. And I want you to know if you find yourself in this situation today, if you are troubled by the notion, if you've been haunted by conviction from God, hey, I'm playing games. Hey, I feel like things are okay, but deep down, spiritually, I know there's a corruption in me that doesn't seek the Lord. If you find yourself in that situation, I want you to know you are in a dire condition that requires immediate action to do something about. It is a perilous spiritual danger to walk in a way that is revolting to God. Can you imagine that? I urge you to take a real inventory this morning and see where you stand with regard to this portion of the letter, the problem. And if the problem is there in your life or even the seeds of it are there, listen, friend, you turn to God in this moment. Deal with this today. There was a problem at Laodicea, but next we see that there was an offer made by the Lord. He says in verse 18, I counsel you. I mean, what a loving word. I mean, even in the, in, in the condition that they're in, he comes to them to provide counsel. That they buy from him gold refined by fire, that they could be le legitimately rich. And white garments, that they may clothe themselves. You see the rest of this here. He addresses each one of their sources of strength, and he identifies them as imposters and as counterfeits. The first is this, riches. The riches that allowed them to have this, uh, this viaduct or this aqueduct that would come through the riches of this city. He says, you say you're rich, but those things are spiritually worthless. They are not good enough. In fact, you're destitute. Wake up. Your beautiful clothing, uh, those beautiful black garments that you walk around in that just you're so proud to be in, that really identify you and declare to you how strong you are and how set apart you are, let me tell you what, those things are meaningless because, in fact, you are naked, uncovered, and unprotected from the wrath of God. The, the, the medical healing that you pride yourself in, uh, let me tell you, it's spiritually useless, Laodicea. You think you've got a, a special, you think you've done something special here? It's useless because, in fact, spiritually, you are diseased and blind in your sin. Each source of strength, the Lord tears it down one by one. And instead, he makes an offer, and the offer is this. You come to me and find what is real. You want riches that never fade? You come to me and find the riches of my glory. The riches of my grace. I'll give it to you. You want to you be clothed in that which is beautiful? 
that which sanctifies, that which lasts and protects and covers. Uh, if you want to find that you can be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you come to me and you'll find that. If you want real healing, if you want, if you want real healing that will transform, that will forgive you from sin, that will save you from hell, you come to me and you'll find it. You cannot do this stuff on your own. And he urges them to repent, to repent with urgency. Don't waste any time. Don't waste any time. Somebody invited me many years ago. I'd never heard of it before. Invited me to play something called Airsoft. Let me just tell you, that is a lie. <laughs> there is air involved. Compressed, explosive air, right? But there's nothing soft about Airsoft. It's a trick for moms to say yes to their kids to go play this thing. The, the, the BBs are hard, compressed, plastic BBs that come out at a million miles an hour. And they hit you and they sting. Somebody said, come play airsoft with us. And you might want to wear long sleeves in case you get hit. I wore this old T-shirt from college, which was a long time ago, and it had worn thin, and I went out and, and played airsoft with them. I got hit with those bullets, and they stung, and they left a mark. It's still here today. Not really. It's a <laughs> but I felt it. I mean, I felt it big time, and all along it was posed to me as something that had to do with air, right? Fluffiness. You think about air and softness. Come out and play this airsoft. So I just wore this little T-shirt. And let me tell you, it did not do the trick. What garments is your life clothed, clothed with? What garments are you wearing spiritually? Because listen, there is pain out there. And there is suffering out there. And there is doubt out there. And there is persecution out there. And if all that is not enough, don't forget that the judgment of God is out there. The Bible says even of believers, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There is an accounting to take place. And I don't want to stand in front of the canon of God's wrath or of suffering or of all the ills of this world and be clothed in some thin t-shirt of spiritual protection. The Lord says, no, no, Laodicea, don't do it. You come to me. Whatever your garments you're clothed in today, take an inventory of that. Don't carry on living clothed in those things that are sure to fail you. Things they trusted were sure to fail them. These things that have no power, have no protection, that have no provision for all the riches that God desires to lavish on you. There's an offer here. For things that never fail, for things that never fade, if they would come to him, if they would listen to him, and if they would be zealous and repent. But lastly, the promise. The promise. God makes an amazing, amazing, don't miss this. It's, it's, um, it's incredible. He makes an amazing ironclad assurance here that if anyone, if anyone will listen, and respond as he knocks upon that door if anyone will hear and if they will open the door to let him in here's what he promises to do if they would just listen and respond 
They will not be forsaken. He's not walking away from them. He's calling them to himself. And if they would respond, the Lord Jesus is not going to wash his hands of them. He says, I will. And the, 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 the emphasis here is, I will for sure. There's, like I said earlier, a one-to-one -one response. 100% of the time, if someone will hear the knock and open the door for the Lord to come in, 100% of the time, guess what? He will come in. And not only come in, he'll sit down and have supper with them. He'll have that closeness with them. I heard a radio contest the other day. said, you call in and get this trivia question right. You'll be entered into a, uh, a contest, and you may be one of the ones that wins two tickets to a concert. This is not like that. This is not, if you open the door, if you listen and open the door, uh, you may, you might have a chance of restoration and healing. This is a promise 100% of the time. And there's an amazing thing that happens here. I can't believe it. It's amazing enough that the Lord says, I will come in and be with you. But look what happens next. He says, you will come in and be with me. The one who conquers, what's going to happen? The one who conquers is going to be the one who sits where? On Jesus' throne with him. Amazing enough that the Lord Jesus comes into our lives but blown out of the water that we come into his throne room and share his throne. It ought to astonish us that in the, at the, the exalted throne of Jesus Christ, that he got there through the travail of dying for our salvation, the deep cost of going to the cross and lying in a tomb Raising again and being exalted with God the Father, it ought to amaze us that not only can we gain entrance there, but it's okay for us to be there. We are called the sons and the daughters of the King, even brothers with the Lord Jesus Christ. We belong there because He has placed that upon us. Praise God that when He knocks... If we open, he comes in, but what a marvel and a miracle that we go in with him. And we share that access, we share the fatherhood of God there, we share that power and that authority, that closeness that will never end. All the access to the riches of the eternal God belong to us by virtue of what we do with the knock, knock, knock of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a picture on your screen. The original picture was created in 1851 by William Holman Hunt, entitled Light of the World. Many interpretations of it have come since then. This is a later interpretation of that painting. But in each one of them, throughout all the generations, you notice something subtle about the picture. The Lord Jesus, there he is knocking, as we might imagine. But on these doors, in every one of these paintings, you'll notice on the outside, there is no handle, right? The knocking is done by the Lord Jesus. But friends, the opening, the opening has got to be done by us. He knocks at the door, and he invites us 
to open. He knocks, he calls, he warns, he invites, he pleads today. Do you find yourself lukewarm? Let me tell you, if so, you're not the first. If so, I'm not standing here hateful toward you. If so, I'm not here to judge and to criticize you. You would not be the first to have walked this road. And you do not need to be ashamed then to do something about it. Listen to the Lord today. Hear him and open that door. Let me pray for us.